Welcome to the Columbus Area.Church podcast. Encouraging and uniting the Church of Columbus with host Adam Ward. Well, hello, listeners. Today I am with Brandon Mathis, the director for Hope for Columbus. This guy's got a crazy story. <laughs> What's going on? He's a dreamer. And Brandon, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you for having me, Adam. Man, so you grew up preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. You're born in the Bronx, but you moved to Columbus, still mm-hmm. on single digits. Mm-hmm. Your dad's a pastor at a church at Livingston and Kelton. Mm-hmm. 14 years old, you know, God wants you to do something in the ministry. Mm-hmm. 16 or 17, you're like, mm, no. <laughs> nope. So what happened that, after that point? Uh well, at that point, I, um, I'm just a teenage kid just trying to, you know, be a teenage kid. Right. And um, I didn't know the ramifications for not following uh, a call from God, mm-hmm. but um, it took me down a road that um, I got hooked up with the wrong people, um, you know, at a nightclub in my teenage years. Uh, shooting happened and somebody got shot that the bullet was intended for me oh wow and and my friend my partner who was he was a flamboyant type and got in trouble and and I got involved in the fight because I'm with him but um at that moment I realized okay I need to get out of town Mm -hmm. I need to get out of the scene um ended up um being halfway decent in basketball and um, uh, enrolled in a, a um, college in Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati, and uh, dream of walking on. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the back of my head, I knew there was a call on my life, and I knew um, that I was running, mm-hmm. and I was intentionally moving out of town going to school out of town to get away from my dad, who is a pastor, and my family, all of them went to church, brothers and sisters, played, you know, instruments, right, right. sing, you know, we had like a family group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not me. <laughs> so and, you could have walked on at Ohio State. Yeah, And you yeah. said, no, and I'm going to Cincinnati. Yeah, two, two recruiters saw me um, at 18, 19, and one was from University of Cincinnati and one was from um, Ohio State. I chose to go to Cincinnati just to get away from home mm-hmm. and just wanted to get out on my own. And so, uh, and that didn't turn out, you know, running from God. Um, Cincinnati was too wild for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was too wild for Cincinnati. <laughs> and so just hanging around the wrong people and not being uh, purposeful and intentional about life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just going with the culture and right. the crowd. Um, and it was interesting, Adam. They would always say something about you. They wouldn't know I was a preacher's kid, but there was something about you. You... you I can't figure it out, but something about you, you're not as hard as you come across, mm. you know. And so, but um, when I left Cincinnati, um, I was uh, put on academic probation, so mm. I couldn't play that next year. <sighs> and um, I was broken heart. And yeah. I said, well, I'm not going to. 
uh, go home, I'm gonna enroll in the Air Force. Oh, sure, that <laughs> makes sense. Keep running. <laughs> Keep running. And I uh, was in the Air Force six months, got, um, got through basic training, uh, also um, was to my tech duty station and doing their background. Uh, they saw that I hadn't put on the application um, that I had asthma when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, sure. And, uh, and so they put me out. <laughs> so now, out at Cincy, out of the Air Force. <laughs> out of the Air Force. I mean, I, I'm like, man, Lord, what is going on? And I knew what was going on, but I was. Uh, it took that Air Force situation on the back end of that University of Cincinnati situation, on the back end of almost getting killed in that, oh, man, right? that parking lot yeah. of that nightclub. To realize, okay, either I'm going to follow God and his call for my life, or I'm going to end up dead or, you know, mm. a hoodlum in the streets. And, um, and so it, it was at that point. They flew me out to Texas to join the Air Force. They send you home on a bus, a Greyhound, oh. if you get discharged. So that's a little ride from Texas <laughs> so back to Columbus. So I had a three-hour ride to think about life and, and what God was actually saying. It was, I, I called the Greyhound ride home in three days, my Jonah, oh. in the belly of the whale. That was... In the belly of a Greyhound for yeah. three days. <laughs> Yeah, but then but then you get back mm-hmm. and you go to one of your dad's services. And- I, I get back and um, I repent. I call uh, my dad on my way back and says, "Say I'm coming home." And he's he actually was starting the ministry as I was in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and uh, by the time I got back from Texas. He had st- he had started a church in downtown Columbus, and so um, so I get back and I uh, I go to the altar. I give my life back to Christ, um, and at that moment I um, I dedicated myself to the inner city, to the the mission and the vision of uh, his church and helping um, you know build the church there in the inner city. Wow. And then you had a few years where the trajectory was just crazy. You, you know, you started helping the ministry with your dad, then mm-hmm. you enroll at World Harvest Bible College. Mm-hmm. And then crazy. a year later, you're, Rod Parsley is asking you to preach on Breakthrough. Yeah, that was crazy. So I'm 23. I'm, I'm home from school. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not in school, and I'm feeling like I want to get my you know, bachelors, and then I want to go uh, to Bible college. I want to go to, you know, so I, I did that. I, I enrolled in Ohio State, and then I'm wanting, like, well, where am I going to go to 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 get a degree in, in divinity? Mm-hmm. And, um, and one day I'm at my dad's house, and a magazine comes to my baby sister, who was 12 at the time, from a church in the suburbs, and it's this white man on the front page with a mullet. <laughs> and he's holding a microphone. And, uh, and I was like, who is this? And so on the front of the cover, it said, um, nine, uh, seven characteristics of the church of the 90s. And it's 1990. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it said, um, 10 reasons why you should go to World Harvest Bible Institute. 
So when I read the back, I heard the Holy Spirit says, that, that's where I'm sending you. Mm. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, I'm not going there. And I started giving my reasons why I wasn't. Well, you know, I'm almost, I'm about to graduate from a four-year college. Mm. I'm not going to go to an institute. I'm going to get a, a yeah. degree, a divinity, a master's and doctors, all that. And I'm not going there. And then the second reason, you know, well, I've never been out of my culture for any any type Aww. of religious experience. I was like, I'm not going to a white Why church. church? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not going there. And then the last uh, reason was our church was apostolic oneness. We didn't believe in the Trinity. Aww. So, uh, and I knew my dad wasn't going to allow me to go to a Bible college like that. Mm. So I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. And the Holy Spirit kept dealing with me. And I thought I had an out. I said, well, I'll take this magazine to my dad, tell him what I heard, and he'll tell me I can't go. So I, I, I took it to him. He was in his study. He, uh, he looked at it and he says, um, do you know this man? And I was like, no, I've never, never, never met him, never heard of him. He said, where'd you get it? He said, it came, I said, the magazine came to Tiffany, my baby sister. He said, um, he looked it over. He looked at some of the articles in there. And then he looked on the back and I said, that's the, the school that I felt like I heard uh, a voice say, that's where I'm sending you. And then he looked at it. He looked at me, looked at it again. And then he says, uh, well, if God's sending you there, you better go. <laughs> You're out. Going, going. I was like, no, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're, you're supposed to tell me you, we can't go. You can't go. And so anyway, um, I ended up going, and a whole new world, Adam, was opened up to me. I was one of five black uh, people in a in, uh, school of 400. Wow. But a whole new world opened up to me. Understanding about... Um, nations and races and and cultures and ways of worship that I had never known. Uh, known. Um, then I realized that a lot of things that we thought, both about doctrine, being from a oneness mm -hmm. background, mm -hmm. and about race, was not what wow. the other side was even saying or thinking. But because we hadn't ever come together to have any kind of constructive dialogue, we were assuming things about the Godhead, things about our race, things about, you know, our culture that we just never talked out to actually realize we're saying somewhat the same thing wow. or we're coming from somewhat the same vantage point, just as different side of the coin. Wow. So this is your first time in your in your 20s. Even experiencing this. Ever experiencing that. And and the Holy Ghost began to reveal to me who I was in that setting. Mm. Um, I had to deal with, um, you know, offended uh, uh, postures of, you know, racial and denominational um, issues that was in my heart that I didn't even know was there. Mm. Um, and one of the issues that I had to deal with uh, in that setting uh, was an issue that was put in my heart from a movie I saw when I was 12 on, called Roots. Oh, okay. And so that, that whole movie 
developed my um, my offense or bitterness toward white people. Right. And so for the first time I'm in that culture, uh, I'm actually being dealt with by the Holy Ghost uh, about my offense, about my bitterness, about even uh, my viewpoint and my mindset, you know, about wow. race and about white people. And I run, I'll never forget the Holy Spirit um, dealt with me about... Um, John 3.16, he said to me at that, in that setting, he said, you've got to love people the way I love people. Mm. And, uh, and I said, how did, how did you love people? And uh, he gave me John 3.16. I said, yeah, I know that. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I know you, you're God and you love the world. And he said, <laughs> no, you don't understand what love is. And so I said, well, what is love? And he said, read it. And I had read it before, and, yeah. and he said, no, read it. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it. And the third time I read it, I saw God so loved the world that he gave. God, who's holy, set, set apart, other than, so loved the world, who's unholy, at enmity with God, he said, love, my love is for opposites. Mm -hmm. He said, you haven't even loved the way I love until you're loving someone that's not like you, that don't look like oh, you, wow. that don't act like you, that don't think like you, and might not even like you. Mm -hmm. You haven't began to love until you've loved someone opposite of you. Wow. It blew me away. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, I brought you here to teach you how to love. He said, I brought you here to teach you how I see the world, not how you've seen it or how you've had. So you, you must have had a, a pretty big change at that point because it, it, it seems like the accelerator just was down. When I got healed, doors opened throughout the world that I couldn't have imagined or couldn't begun to open myself. Mm -hmm. When I got healed and I began to relate with people the way God relates to people, uh, that that's the, uh, the time when uh, Pastor Parsley, um, well, we had a, like a student chapel and they asked me to preach and I was like, no, I'm not going to preach, you know. They said, why? I said, well, I'm nervous in this setting. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm from a Pentecostal, black Pentecostal back then. We hoop when we preach. We have an organ backing us up when we preach. And I remember God saying, just do what you do. Mm -hmm. It's not the style, it's the substance, mm -hmm. whatever you do, say what I'm saying. Yeah. And I preached in the student chapel and everybody was running all over the place. Everybody was being, you know, impacted. And so then it got back to Pastor Parsley. He wasn't there, but it got back to him. And that next Sunday night, they had me preach in the Sunday night service. Same thing, everybody's running all over the church. People were like, you know, and then he put it on Breakthrough, which is was the worldwide television ministry that had just exploded to the nations. And before I knew it, I was getting invites and calls from people um, in other cultures, mm. not African-American cultures, all over the world. Um, Polynesian islands, Caribbean islands, Europe, you know, 
Japan, Brazil. And so at 25, I'm opened up to this whole new uh, world and whole new experience that really, really changed my life. Um, yeah, but then I was invited with the ministry to go to Israel in year 25. And I was in Israel with Dr. Lester Summerall and Pastor Rob Parsley. And we're in the upper room, and they ask me, give a few words on this room from the book of Acts. So I started just sharing just something that came to me at that time. And there were groups all over the upper room, tour groups. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, there was no microphone, but there was almost like people stopped and all came around to, to listen. And at that moment, um, these groups from all over the, the, the country, they were like, well, you know, um, we would like you to come and share that on, on Acts in our church. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was crazy, Adam. This is, this, I couldn't even begin to, um, to think how this, how, you know, yeah. this developed, but um, but that's how it happened, and that's how like that accelerator just. But it it came out of me being healed from uh, r- the racial divide, mm. and uh, and from that moment, I, I had I got a vision for racial reconciliation, mm. and I began to get revelation on racial reconciliation, mm. and and the ministry of reconciliation, and uh, and I began to write and. You know, my ministry is now characterized by, you know, the Ministry of Reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to get into that because um, you got you got married at that time when mm-hmm. you were with um, mm-hmm. Rod. And mm-hmm. then you took over your mm-hmm. dad's church. You and your wife took over your dad's 30 church. 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Taking we, over a church. We took over the church in the inner city at 30. We pastored there for three years. Um, and... Um, the third year was 1999, and um, in the latter part of 1999, or the midway part of 1999, I had a dream uh, of uh, church being open 24-7. Mm. And uh, I was asking the Lord, what's the word for the new year? Oh, sure. 21st century, yeah. 2000. And, uh, and instead of him It wasn't me, Y2K? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of him giving me a word for the year, he said, "You you do know that it's the beginning of a new century and a new millennium." Right. He said, "I want to give you a word for my church, not just for the new year, for the new century, and for the new millennium." Mm. And I was like, "I don't know if I um, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I can compute all of that." Yeah. But in that time. Um, I'm seeking the Lord for that, and I have a dream. And in the dream, um, churches open 24-7. And uh, and there's this long line from from my dad's church, which is a little storefront, all the way down Livingston, as far as your eye can see. And 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 we had to have the church open 24-7. And and uh, and he said to me when I woke up. Um, the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Mm. And, uh, and he then had me 
I'm like, what are you saying? And he said, look around you. And he highlighted all of these 24-7 grocery stores, these television stations, MTV, ESPN, all of these that come forth in the last five to 10 years that was 24-7. And, uh, and he said, that's where my church is going in the 21st century. Um, when my glory comes, the, the, the gates will not be shut day or night. He took me to that scripture. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at that moment, I realized, he said, you can't get, get there from here. Mm-hmm. My dad's denominational uh, Pentecostal African-American church, he said, you can't get there from here. Mm-hmm. Um, you will not do what I'm wanting to show you if you don't let go of this. Mm. And uh, he gave me a scripture, Behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. But the verse before that says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. And so, uh, long story short, I ended up closing the doors. I told my dad, I said, We need to stop this. He Mm. said, Why? He said, Because this is coming. I said, This is coming, and we won't be able to transition from this to that mm. in the in, in the new century yeah and uh and you know it was a few months before you know god spoke it to him and he came back to me and um and uh we at the end of the 1999 uh we all the con- the congregations about 100 of us we we went over to world harvest mm. and um because that that was where I had went to school yeah. and my wife that was where she was and and we we went expecting to when God showed us for it to be birthed out of there right and, and so what ended up happening is that you know Pastor Parsley asked me to come on staff mm-hmm. to um, to uh, run the outreach department um, another pastor on the uh, north end of town of an apostolic church asked my dad to assist him and come on staff and and uh, he told me he was going to do it and I said well um, I'm going to do this here and we did that me and my wife at World Harvest uh, for eight years from 2001 to 2009 and it was at that moment that we began um, reaching out to the inner city through World Harvest um, the inner city church called Metro Harvest Church. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people you reached during that time. 10,000 people in four projects we, uh, we reached with prayer, worship, and evangelism and tent revivals mm. uh, that we would do in the inner city and the projects with uh, thousands of pounds of food that we would give away and um, clothing, Job fairs, health fairs. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, it really, um, what became of the vision that we had when we were downtown on our own, when we connected with a suburban church that actually had a heart to reach the inner city but had no connection, when we connected, the impact that was felt in the inner city went uh, all the way up to the mayor's office. All the way to the White House, the uh, the impact that happened from the 
over 10,000 people, and many of them were coming off of welfare because we were providing help for okay. them through the church. I remember I'm in a service. We we called the the um, ministries in the inner city Hope Centers. Mm-hmm. And I was in a service at the Hope Center, and I'm standing up preaching, and I hear God say, give this lady your car. Mm. You know, and I had uh, I had a car that I was paid for, and you know, somebody had gave it to me, and and a year later, he's telling me to give this lady <laughs> my car, and so um, by the end of the message, I actually obeyed, you know, wondering how I'm gonna get yeah, home, right. you know, so on and so forth. Um, a week or two later, uh, Lindsay Acura heard about what happened there, and. They offered me their used car lot to give people in the inner city that get off drugs, get jobs, you know, get situated in our hope centers to give them a car. And all they had to do was go through our programs and and we would sign off. And stuff like that was happening on a regular basis where lawyers and and doctors were connecting with the Hope Center to give free wow. consultation, free health screenings, and uh, and it was it was really a, a move of the Holy Spirit for yeah. like three to five years. We took over the projects wow. in in three. Uh, four different neighborhoods in Columbus. Wow. And you wrote, and we have a book here, right? Building Cities of Refuge is the testimonies and the revelation of how uh, a city can be transformed through uh, prayer, worship, and the ministry of racial reconciliation. Mm. And you you downplayed it so much, but you you were literally in My- Michael Coleman's office. You've, yeah, you've been in the White House yeah, yeah. sharing with President how yeah. to help. Yeah, and and then just a few days ago, you were in the Ohio Governor's house. Yeah. meeting. So this this is, I mean, a really big deal. And he, he, I mean, he's downplaying this, but if you want to talk about. An expert on racial reconciliation, an expert on how to how partnerships can happen in this city and do stuff. Brandon knows what he is talking about. Mm-hmm. But you didn't stop there. During that time, you, you still have this burden for 24-7 prayer. And you end up meeting Lou Engle, going out to Kansas City, <laughs> working at IHOP. And we're not talking the breakfast place. We're talking the International <laughs> House of Prayer. And, and you're seeing 24-7 prayer, That's 24-7 crazy. worship happening. So it was crazy how that happened. So I'm thinking that um, all the while I'm, I'm on staff at World Harvest, that vision is in the back of my mind. 24-7 worship, prayer, and, and evangelism, or 24-7 church. And what happened, Adam, is when we were in the projects ministering, we would be in their communities uh, two two times a week, uh, a, a weekday where we would actually have a service at the rec centers in the community, and then we would send people into their homes once a week mm-hmm. with uh, home groups, and that's how we discipled the whole communities. We had hundreds of of young people that were from the Bible College and from our volunteer base that would we would train to go into wow. the homes uh, once a week, and then we would bring all of the people from the community to a service one Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. But what we realized was 
when we would be there, the light would shine and the drug dealers and the gangbangers mm-hmm. would, you know, take their bandanas off mm-hmm. and stop fighting and, and, and they would be touched by God. But when we would leave, the darkness would come back in mm-hmm. and we would see uh, the mayor and the chief of police had my number because they wanted to be able to call me when something went down in these communities because most of the times I knew the people they had been coming to our wow. hope centers. And so we were grappling in our minds, how do we, how do we, um, you know, convert these communities where uh, these things are not happening when we leave? And the only answer we could come up with is we've got to move into these communities Mm -hmm. and we've got to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it hit me. The, The dream I had. Eight years earlier or so, 24-7 in a community is not just a a good idea. It's a God idea of how to transform a community. But I didn't know how to do 24-7. I didn't. And my wife is like, we're not moving into a project. (laughs) So so I'm praying now and I'm asking God, how do we do this? And um, and at that time... um, Lou Engel comes to the church to preach, and he's uh, promoting a, a, an, a solemn assembly of prayer mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. He's trying to get all the Ohio churches together. And he's preaching, and he looks down on, on, to his right on the front row. I'm sitting there. He says, I want that African-American man to stand up. <laughs> stand up, you, you. And I said, uh, me? And he says, yes, you, you. And I stood up and he began to prophesy over me for a half hour. And all the things he's saying is basically directing what I had been hearing months Triggering confirmation of things that you've been hearing. It was like... I heard it, but I was like, how am I going to transition? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm over this, you know. And, uh, and so when he said that, um, he then ended his message, came down off the platform and said, I want to meet with you. Mm. Can you come and meet me in Kansas City? <laughs> and so uh, I ended up driving to Kansas City. And when I got to Kansas City, he was... He was uh, uh, on the leadership team at this place called the International House of Prayer. Mm. And when I got there, I'm going to the hotel, and I said, like, my friend, we were driving there. We drove there and said, well, go past the, the, the International House of Prayer so that uh, we can see where we're going to yeah, go in right. the morning. It's like 1 or 2 in the morning, oh. and it, we drove all day. I drove by, we drove by, and there's cars on the parking lot <laughs> full at 2 in the morning. I was like, what are they doing? Must have this a revival, something, service? And so we move, we turn up in the parking lot, we get out and go into uh, the actual prayer room, and it's full of people, young people, and there's a full band on the stage worshiping. And there was people walking back and forth, and they're praying in the spirit, and they're walking back and forth, pacing. Some people up worshiping, some people sitting, writing. And uh, and then I asked, I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. And they said, "Yeah, this is this international house of prayer." <laughs> I said, "I know, but well, I mean, it's two thirty yeah. in the morning." He said, "No, this goes." He said, "This goes around the clock. This is twenty four seven. 
was like, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, this has been going on for like the last eight years. It's, it started in 1999. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, I knew at that moment that I had walked into my dream and that somehow I was going to end up there mm. in, in preparation for this uh, ministry that God, I knew he had called me to for the inner city. Mm. And so, um, of course, went back home. My wife's like, she's not having it. <laughs> she's like, I'm not moving to Kansas City. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, through a set of circumstances, a year later, uh, we ended up, uh, moving to Kansas City, and we we were on staff, uh, the leadership team uh, at the International House of Prayer. We went through the internship. It was kind of like starting over. Yeah. It was a whole new value system. It was like going through Bible college. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a three month, six month internship, uh, but it was like a whole uh, you know mind renewal yeah. of the the actual uh, expression. And uh, at the end of that, you know, they they actually, uh, through the application process, uh, saw that I had been on staff at World Harvest, and they like, we want you to come on the leadership team uh, here. And and for three years, I traveled with Lou and did lot, um, the call solemn assemblies, and I uh, was on staff with Mike doing some of the pastoral stuff around IHOP and. And you thought you were going to stay there. I thought I was going to stay there because a year in, like we had thought we were going for six months for the internship and come back and start a house of prayer. But a year into being in Kansas City, my wife was like, I don't want to go to back. I don't want to go back. Now, she didn't want to come. And now she doesn't. Now she didn't want to go back. And it was like she had a valid point. Our kids were being encountered by God. They were developing relationships. They were um, they were growing in their faith. Mm-hmm. And and our and the community was like nothing we had seen before. Right. It was like an Acts Four community. Wow. Just day and night, you know, all things in common. And so uh, we kind of got sucked into that until I had another dream. Um, but it wasn't one. It went doubled and then tripled. The same dream. The same dream. <laughs> Mike's in the dream, pounding a table, saying, "Go home now and start and build the house of prayer." And uh, and I, I woke up and three times uh, I said, "Well, you're gonna have to tell my wife." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. And uh, six months later, um, I'm here in Columbus preaching at a a service for a friend, and uh, he is on a a, like a program. I'm preaching one night, and he had some guy from Uganda or Nigeria preaching the other night. I didn't know the guy. And uh, after I got done preaching, the guy from the next night. He was up to tell what he was going to preach about the next night. He was the guy from Uganda. And he says, before I do that, I have a word for you. And he pointed to me on the front row. You're getting singled out again. (laughs) like a theme in your life. And he says, uh, you know, God says he's seen uh, your, what did he say, your... um, sacrifice. Mm. He's seen your sacrifice. He's seen how you've given up for the call of God. 
He says, and he's going to reward your sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He says, he's going to uh, bless you with a city vision. Mm -hmm. He says, where are you from? He looked at the <laughs> program. He said, and it says, oh, Kansas City. He says, but it's not going to happen in Kansas City. <laughs> it's going to happen here. And, and the whole audience gasped because they knew that I was yeah. living in Kansas City right. and, and not living in Columbus. And, and so I just played that tape for my wife when I got home. And then I told her about the dream I had. Oh. And then it was another year before we actually, <laughs> actually moved. But we came back in 2013, and we've been a part of prayer initiatives and building prayer rooms all over the city since 2015. Uh, which in two straight years, mm -hmm. with Pastor Johnny Amos at Shiloh Christian Center, yep. you did 24-7 prayer. Yeah, we started with a 10-day 24-7 solemn assembly mm. in 2015 after the shooting in uh, South Carolina at the church, the AME church, mm. after the gay marriage uh, ruling that went down. Um, the Lord moved on my heart and Pastor Johnny and another apostolic leader in our city to, uh, to do a solemn assembly mm. for 10 days. And we called it Hope for Columbus. We did 10 days prayer, worship, and evangelism. And at the end of 10 days, people came from all over the city yeah. and the state. At the end of the 10 days, Pastor Johnny said, we can't stop this. Mm, wow. <laughs> you, we've got to keep going. And people wanted to keep going. And we, we kept it going for uh, two years. Wow. And now, now you... you clearly think God wants two 24-7 prayer centers in Columbus. There's and you're moving to open one yeah. on the east side to start with. Yeah, yeah. And so you're waiting for those resources yeah. to come together yeah. so that Columbus can have two yeah. all night, yeah. all day. Yeah. What do you say? Prayer, worship, and yeah. evangelism. So one of them uh, is on the west side. Okay. And that's Pastor Brian. And in 2011, when I was still in Kansas City, he had been in Kansas City and our paths crossed when I was coming, he was leaving. And so then uh, when he uh, went home, he, he had me pray for him to, to go mm -hmm. back home because I was on the leadership team at that time. And he said, when I get home, I want to have you come and, and consecrate what God's put in my heart to do. And so in 2011, I was still living in Kansas City, but I came home and he had his first service and uh, I prophesied over him. I prayed for him and I shared that dream of uh, the 24-7 mm -hmm. in 1999 at that service. And then from that time, I would come uh, probably once a month or once every two or three months to his church mm -hmm. to, to minister and um, and so he has 24-7 going on the west side. Ah. And this building that I seen that God gave me in a dream in 2017 is on the east side. How about that? And so, and then Johnny's uh, place, uh, his heart is to start that back right, in the middle right of the down city. in the middle of the city. So we'll have the city covered eventually wow. in prayer and worship. So if, if people want to get involved or find out more, how, how would they do that? So uh, BrondonMathis.org mm -hmm. um, uh, is the website. And 
in the menu section, there is a tab that says Hope for Columbus, and they could hit on that tab, and they'll see the vision, they'll see the building, they'll see, you know, how to donate. They'll, um, there's some things that we're doing with the mayor right now, and so there's information on some of the, the initiatives that are going on with uh, the mayor's office that we're doing um, as a part of uh, GCAN, which is an apostolic network that I'm a part of. And uh, they could, they could um, download information or they could give um, or both um, on the site there. BrandonMathis.org, mm -hmm. so B-R-O-N-D-O-N, mm -hmm. not Brandon. Not Brandon. BrandonMathis.org. Click on the Hope for Columbus tab. You can get that information. Uh, Brandon, you're, you continue to be a person who driving for unity in the city, mm -hmm. uh, for racial reconciliation in this 24-7 prayer. I, I can't wait to see where we're going mm -hmm. in the future, and mm -hmm. I'm glad to be a friend and a partner with Amen. you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Adam. Bless you, man. Bless Thank you. you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes helps get the word out.